Hello, this is Dr. Jeff Gold, and I'm the Chancellor of the University of Nebraska Medical Center. And I wanna welcome you to Healthcare Heart to Heart, providing insights into the medical and the scientific issues of the day. And as you may know, I'm a recovering cardiothoracic surgeon, a longtime medical educator, and a firm believer in the ability of science to change lives for the better. My guest today is Dr. Michelle Ballas. And Dr. Ballas is the Associate Dean for Research at the University of Nebraska Medical Center College of Nursing. Dr. Ballas is also the Dorothy Hodges Olson Distinguished Professor of Nursing. And as many in our audience know, Dr. Ballas was also recently named as UNMC's 18th Scientist Laureate, which is the highest honor UNMC bestows on any of our researchers. Thank you so much for joining us today. And again, congratulations on, on this incredible award. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the first time that a faculty member in the College of Nursing uh, became the Scientist Laureate here at UNMC? Well, thank you for having me here today. I appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you. Uh, that's actually one of the things that I'm most thrilled about. To my knowledge, it's the first time um, someone from the College of Nursing, but most importantly, a nurse scientist has received the award. So that is what I find most thrilling. Well, congratulations. You know, before we talk about your research uh, and a little bit about what uh, was worthy of this incredible award, uh, our audience is always interested in your background. So was there a day, a time, an hour that, you know, you sort of woke up at four o'clock in the morning and said, I know I'm going to be a nurse? Um, absolutely not. So I probably shouldn't be here today. Um, I am a granddaughter of a coal miner and we grew up in northeast Pennsylvania and um, struggled when we were younger. My mother had some mental health problems and um, was raised by her alone with three children was not the best student ever in high school. Um, I was lucky enough to go to be accepted to something called the Upward Bound Program. And it's for high risk um, high school students. And it's a program that teaches you how to apply to college, actually helps you apply for college, and um, does the things that I think some more privileged um, children need to be successful in that environment. And if it wasn't for that program, I'd unlikely get into college. Started thinking I was going to go from a high school student who, you know, had straight C's, never studied a day in her life, to um, thinking I'm going to be a doctor, a physician. So I took chemistry and that kind of decided it for me right then and there that I was probably not going to be a physician. Uh, regrettably, it does for many people. <laughs> chemistry, yeah. It's quite the challenge. Um, so I majored in psychology, um, sociology, and then randomly found nursing. I have an aunt that's a nurse and she was a pivotal person in my life, but never really considered it as a career until I was introduced to it in, col in college. And it actually had everything that I was looking for. So it had the opportunity to you know, have that physical presence with patients, to make a change in their health, to be with people at their time of need, mm -hmm. and also have those other great things that I was so interested, like psychology and sociology. So it was pretty serendipitous. And then your careers uh, took a turn a bit, and you got interested in the scientific side and the research side. 
of nursing, and let's talk a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, so I was a staff nurse um, at a level one trauma center for very many years, and I absolutely adore bedside nursing. So there's this belief that, you know, if you do clinical research in particular, that for some reason, you know, you just can't practice at the bedside. But I loved bedside nursing, and I had the opportunity to care for such wonderful people, and we were great. This hospital was fantastic, way ahead of its time, great interprofessional care. We saved people that really should not have been saved. Um, so really bad accidents and things like that. And then unfortunately, you know, we'd get them through that acute event. Um, they'd live only to, to succumb to something later from something that ha happened in the hospital. And I was always most drawn to um, patients that were confused. So when I, there was an older per person in the ICU and they were uh, delirious, they'd always say, oh, give it to Ballas. Ballas likes the old people that are confused. Mm. And I really did. I was drawn to them for some reason. Um, and so the decision, you know, to go back to get my PhD again, um, was really driven by those clinical practices and the opportunity that I saw for um, improvements in everyday care. And so translate that into your current research. I know that uh, that yeah. uh, that passion of trying to make everyday care better, of you know having been at the bedside and seeing the best and probably seeing some of the worst of the outcomes yeah. that uh, happen in a level one trauma center can be very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it, it all comes back to Nebraska in the end. So here's this girl from Philly who comes in for her first faculty position um, here at Nebraska, and uh, we got a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation grant. And we were the first um, hospital in the country to test this bundle. It's called the ABCDEF bundle. And it's really focused on reducing sedation, getting people up and moving when they're in the hospital, getting them off the breathing machine, really choosing your medications really correctly. So we did this study. And um, Dr. Morris, I think, was the, v the chief nursing officer at that time. And she's just like, you know, Michelle, if you, you're telling us that this is best for our patients, let's just do it. And the people here were amazing. We did it. Mm -hmm. We got 300 subjects in a critical care trial in a year and a half, uh, did this study, looked at the care before and after we put this bundle into place, and guess what? Cured everything. Wow. Mortality was lower. Patients were more likely to get out of the hospital, less likely to go to a nursing home. Um, so because of the great results from that, the ABCDF bundle actually became standard of care throughout the country. It is now in multiple clinical practice guidelines, and I always like to take credit. It was because of the work that we did here in Nebraska originally, and of course, other people throughout the country. Um, but now I have, we have, our team has the coolest study ever, and again, Nebraska, Nebraska Medicine's taken the lead in it. So we're going to be doing a uh, three-center uh, randomized control trial where we are going to test two different strategies to see if we can increase adoption of the ABCDF bundle. Now, why does it matter? We know the bundle cures everything, any outcome um, that you want to pick. We know that it is absolutely the rest, right thing to do for patients. We also know, based on some of our prior um, R01 findings, that even the most highly motivated sites in the country it's not being practiced. It's not being delivered into everyday care. And we know the challenges behind that. There are some really pragmatic challenges to giving people this care that we know is the best. So this um, UH3 that we have, we'll have three centers, and we're going to test two different strategies to see which one's better to get it into care. 
One is going to be this really cool dashboard that we're making. So it's all EHR based. We're going to be pulling data real time from the EHR. I think this is one of the first two. Mm -hmm. um, and having a dashboard uh, in the units that are randomized to that arm. And the dashboard will display in real time whether or not the patients got the bundle and whether they're eligible to receive the bundle. So anybody walking through will know, oh, hey, yeah, I forgot to get my patient out of bed And just today. to be really clear, when we talk about the bundle, we're talking about the standard of care mm -hmm. that would be used to optimize the outcome of that critical care event, right? Yes. And, and describing that for the IRB will be a great challenge, but it is. It is absolutely standard of care, guideline recommended care, um, and it'll always be up to the clinician to deliver the bundle or not. We're just trying to help them find ways. So the one arm will get the dashboard, which I think is going to be really cool in and of itself, but I always tell people I could die now because my, my dream research Please things don't. get... Please I don't intend to. Um, but the other arm will be seeing a registered nurse. So the study is going to pay for another nurse to be on that intensive care unit um, during the times that the bundles deliver. And that nurse is just there to help people. And because it's a pragmatic trial, we could kind of get away with that. Of course, we'll be measuring things like, um, you know, did they take another nurse away from the unit because we gave it? But she's really there to help the entire team deliver the bundle to the patient. So if we shut off a patient, if the nurse shuts off sedation on a patient and they get jiggy and try to get out of bed and everything like that, the other nurse could go in and sit with that patient. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if somebody's ready to get up and walking and we can't find a physical therapist or if the nursing assistant is around, that nurse could help. Um, so we're going to compare and see which strategy. You know, we do have Equipose. We don't know which one's going to work better. I do have my hypotheses. Um, but again, I think it's really important to recognize that this, this is, we're, we're we'll be changing practice, again, hopefully. And that's the ultimately better. the goal of all of our research, Absolutely. is to improve practice. So let me ask you a related question, and maybe this hasn't been studied, but has the use of this type of bundle changed, uh, let's call it the clinical well-being of the workforce in the critical care units, you know, as many of our audience may know, uh, not just as a result of the pandemic, but probably exacerbated by the pandemic, the overall clinical well-being of the health profession's workforce, top to bottom, uh, in and out, has been radically uh, impacted. Uh, as you may or may not know, uh, I've been very involved with the National Academy of Medicine and the Clinician Well-Being Action Collaborative, and you know, I'm certainly well aware of the data. So is there any inference that the use of this type of bundle of care might also not only be beneficial for patients, but actually could be beneficial for the staff delivering that care? Thank you so much for asking that question. I always forget about that third aim. So we're working with colleagues from uh, College of Public Health here, and we do have another aim. And that aim is gonna be looking at the effect the bundle has on work intensity. We wanna know, um, does, do these two interventions help reduce some of the, and you know, things that the, pay, that the providers are doing on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. We'll also be asking the um, providers, again, the entire interprofessional team, what changed once those interventions came there? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Because why are you, you know, even if it's effective, if people hate it and don't want it there, again, I suspect that's not gonna happen. But, you know, why would you do that? So getting that um, key stakeholder input is so important, but 
We're also going to be approaching the NINR for an administrative supplement because they have an important call out right now um, that's really fo focused on looking at organizational interventions to reduce nursing burnout. And you know, I mean, turnover right now. Huge. Beyond huge. Like, right. turnover, moral distress, burnout. So we are going to, that's going to be the first thing. As soon as we know, we're going to get the UH3 funding. Uh, because we do have to meet deadlines, uh, timeline before then. But as soon as we know that we're gonna we're eligible and we met the, the, the our goals and we're gonna get this really big grant, first thing we're doing is an administrative supplement to put in there really great measures of um, burnout, distress, and the things that matter for the psychological health of the providers because they're equally important. And we know this. that the psychological health of the providers, indeed, just the burnout scales. Uh, directly correlate with quality of care, they correlate with length of stay, they correlate directly with the financial status of the institution. Absolutely. And so all of this helps not only the patient recover, but it maintains the wellness, hopefully, of the staff and, mm -hmm. and makes our institutions more successful. But how cool is this? That data is correlational. And again, sometimes it's really silly the things that we have to prove, right? Like that the number of nurses matter. But until you have that randomized control trial, you're going to have those haters out there that don't believe the evidence. And, you know, this, the, this grant will give us the opportunity to have a really um, lot higher level of evidence supporting that some of these organizational interventions do benefit because you always have that argument well how do you know it worked we'll have that data and another supplement coming down the way is you know what the next question is costs is it cost effective mm -hmm. well I'm gonna guess it really is but we need and if you know anybody who does this type of work we need a really great cost effectiveness analysis aim and added to the grant because it's going to be the first thing that people in the c-suite ask right all right it worked patients got better we did this what did it mean for our bottom line well, I it's mean anything that reality. directly correlates with length of stay anything that correlates with uh, different types of placement strategies anything that correlates with reducing turnover of the staff directly impacts the bottom line in a favorable way. So we could talk about this forever, forever. but there is no question that you are so worthy of being the oh, scientist laureate this year. And I just want to congratulate you thank again you. for all that you've done. And I hope to have you back at some time in the future to talk about the, the outcomes of this trial. Be great. Look forward to it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Healthcare Heart to Heart with Dr. Jeff Gold. And until next time, stay healthy.